Talking property with Mark Polisco. And um, Mark, something different we're actually doing in um, this interview is I had a chance to talk to Ashley Williams this week. Now, Ashley Williams, the founder and managing director of Evolve Development. Now, he's, as you noticed, in the AFR today in an exclusive report where uh, Larry spoke to Ash about uh, Evolve Development and Evolve after the passing of Ron Walker. It's been nearly 18 months now since uh, Ron passed away. So uh, time does fly though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Jesus, it's been 18 months already. Yeah, no, this, this is really, really interesting. Hopefully it's something we can do a little bit more of with these podcasts is interviewing some, uh, some, some, some developers like this or even mm. some agents or some other uh, people in the industry. So that sounds, that sounds very interesting. So um, Ash not only talks about how Evolve development has uh, you know, life after Ron and uh, the involvement of the Walker family in Evolve still and in what capacity, but also did ask Ash about, um, you know, selling off the plan and also with uh, the low interest rates and what his view was on the property market. And, uh, you know, he did admit that, uh, you know, sales were slow there for a while, but uh, like so many others in the industry at the moment, they're saying that, uh, you know, it's cycles and uh, it's, you know, it's getting better. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I've heard, I've heard that too. And they certainly, I think they bought a big site in another big site in Southbank uh, a couple of months ago. So they've certainly armed themselves for the next for the next cycle. And they're also building that one opposite the barracks. So no, very, very interesting. Very interesting. Mm. And um, I did actually go up to the twentieth floor on Botanic and. It's amazing, the views. It's over the Botanic Gardens, but also the city. It's, uh, and I think there's about six apartments left in um, that that's under construction at the moment. But um, I meant to ask you the other day when we were talking if it was called South Bank South or if that was something that we were talking. Is that what the area is? Because that actually makes – you and I were talking and um, I don't know if it just looped and it was called South Bank South, but I was listening to the interview afterwards. So that's actually a great name for that kind of South, South Bank precinct. Yeah, because because otherwise, when you think of South Bank, you know it's such a wide area now. Whereas that seems to, that's so close yeah. to gardens and um, St Kilda Road. So um, look, have a listen. And uh, Ash doesn't uh, do many interviews, so I was uh, really glad that uh, he agreed to the interview and agreed to be on Talking Property. Definitely sounds great. Ashley Williams from Evolve Development, thanks very much for joining me. Now, Ashley, Evolve Development's 16 years old. You started, or 16 years young, you started back in 2003. So perhaps let's go back to that time when um, you began Evolve and uh, you were lucky enough or fortunate enough for Ron Walker to come on board. Now, in 2000, he had sold his shares in Hudson Conway and more or less walked away from property development. And he was quoted somewhere saying as he was quite surprised to actually come back into it. So how did you entice him to uh, come back into property development? Thanks, Suze. That's a, uh, a good story. Uh, I guess the lead up to 2003 was I'd been working for Michael and Andrew Buxton at MAB Corporation and I'd been the development manager for the new key precinct down at Docklands. And that had given me a great insight into the apartment market in particular, but also just the growth in the residential demand in Melbourne. And so in, in 2003, I was sort of looking at what my uh, next big challenge was going to be in life. And at the time, I thought, uh, well, I, I knew enough about enough things, 
maybe not enough to uh, to know it all, but enough to certainly have a go at uh, setting up a development business. So 2003, I left MAB and uh, I uh, was fortunate that I was able to get in front of some different people that had a bit of a, perhaps a, co- a co-interest or a shared interest in development industry. And one of those uh, people was Ron Walker. And Ron had obviously had a, um, a very distinguished career in, in uh, property development through Hudson Conway and that had sort of wound down in the in the years preceding but uh, he was still you know actively looking at investment opportunities and um, we were able to get together and sort of talk through how a business might uh, a new development business might be formed and how that would look and what sort of projects we would go for and um, from small steps in 2003 we sort of uh, built our portfolio over the the next probably probably five to seven years, um, which really gave us a great platform for really what we've done in the, in the next five or six years after that. So, uh, you know, from small beginnings, we've certainly uh, stepped up to something that was uh, sustainable and, and doing great projects. I mean, what a leader or someone to go into business with. What, in those early years, what did you learn most from Ron? Uh, Ron was has always been, I think, a very uh, – focused individual he always had great ambition for what the uh state of victoria and what melbourne could achieve as a uh, as a as a city a world city in its own right he's obviously been a big supporter of the melbourne grand prix formula one grand prix the commonwealth games in 2006 um, he's obviously worked very well with both sides of government over many years and so those um, passions, those energies that he had for those pursuits, he, uh, he was very uh, supportive and very happy to share those passions and those uh, energies into building our business Evolve. And so over those early years, we really, um, he focused on, you know, setting a, a challenge ahead of us that was to sort of achieve uh, growth, but also to achieve really good project outcomes. So that was made us very focused on getting the right acquisition opportunities when they came through, achieving very strong pre-sales, and then delivering really high quality uh, projects to the end buyers and to the users uh, that move into the finished projects at the end of the day and uh, creating a bit of a legacy around projects that, you know, fit in well to their streetscape and to the local community. Now, in 2013, a journalist said about uh, your uh, partnership with um, Ron, you had the Midas touch in property development. So what was it that you were managing to ride the cycles and, uh, you know, just keep building when you still considered yourself a boutique developer? I think we were fortunate in that because we've always been, you know, a pretty small team, we've always been very nimble. We don't have a lot of, you know, big corporate management structures that we have to deal with compared to a lot of the corporate developers. And we've always stayed pretty close to what the market is uh, wanting in terms of finished product and locations. And I guess the lead up to those comments perhaps in 2013 were um, really built back in 2007, 2008. We started um, with some smaller apartment projects in those years, you know, 55, 65, 85 apartments in our first three projects. But what it gave us was a very clear insight into 
when the market was starting to gain a bit of momentum and, and come back where the buyer interest was, what they were looking for in terms of price points, sizes, location. And we were well positioned, uh, surprisingly, through the GFC, that when some other larger institutions were looking to sell sites, we were um, ready to start buying sites. And we had, had the confidence of having done some smaller projects in quick succession that it let us have confidence of moving into some larger projects and getting some really strong pre-sales away quite quickly, which obviously led to a pipeline of completions through to 2013 and beyond. And that was really a sort of a sort of window into a cycle that we uh, we got the timing fortunately very well uh, well picked, and um, and that really gave us a platform for the growth that we've had in the years since then. So when you started off thinking, I'm going to go out there and do my own development company, did you dream that it would be this big? Uh, look, I don't think I had a, a firm view on where I would wind up, uh, but I always thought that, um, you know, like most industries, like most professions, if, you, if you're consistent and you, you apply yourself and obviously you work hard, the success comes with with good outcomes and so we just sort of dealt with it at one project at a time um, really looking to sort of to deliver buildings and projects that really met a need in the market and I always sort of tell the team you know you've got to uh, you've got to apply the logic of the person that's moving into this building in two or three years time what are they going to find good and what are they going to find bad? And you've got to be sort of foreseeing what the the good outcomes are, but also making sure that we don't have too many bad outcomes. And I always talk about, you know, living in locations, building apartments in locations that Melburnians want to live in. So when you come out the front door of your building, is this a good part of Melbourne to live in? Is it close to the cafes, the parks, the public transport? Does it have a nice feel, you know, in the the streetscape and how it interacts with your neighbours. Um, because Melburnians that have lived here for a long time, uh, they they understand Melbourne better than, you know, better than people think. They know that these little pockets which actually are really appealing places to live. And, and a lot of those places, the, the house price is just so high now, apartments become the entry into that market. And that's one of the fundamentals that we've sort of adopted in everything we've done since. Now, choosing sites where Melburnians want to live, sometimes the neighbours around those sites don't want to share, so they don't want apartments to go up. Say Williamstown's a case. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a long planning you know, battle. What did you learn from that? Yeah, look, obviously uh, growth and change in the city is one of the biggest challenges the industry faces. Uh, you know, population growth is something that sort of is set in Canberra and Melbourne, uh, Melburnians, but also the politicians and the councils have to then deal with it sort of almost after the fact. As a developer, we know the demands there and we know what they're looking for in terms of the new, the new, both new occupants, but also changing demographics, people downsizing, people, uh, you know, moving out of home for the first time, all of those different buyer groups and, and tenant types um, all have a an interest in an outcome 
And what you've got to try to do is find a middle ground where some of the existing residents feel that, you know, they've been listened to and that you've responded to some of the issues they've raised. But unfortunately, uh, for some, that's still going to be a very difficult situation to deal with. My, My overall insight would be though that if you want to protect the very uh, well-regarded established suburbs and those that have high streetscapes and high amenity in terms of uh, heritage values the if you want to lock those suburbs up then you have to recognize that you're going to have to let the development happen in some of the fringe locations around those suburbs so you know whether it be on a main road or an old industrial site they really have to be uh, allowed to develop, um, to take up, to to provide some of that demand, uh, which is otherwise closed down by the planning controls. Now, a very successful partnership between you and Ron. Ron did pass away on the 30th of January 2018. So... You know, for that many years, 15 years, you did work out of one Albert Road, his offices as well. So, you know, he was always around. So what legacy has that left both for you professionally and personally? Yeah, well, um, obviously 15 years in business, partnerships, business partnerships are sometimes harder than marriages. Um, I'm lucky to say that Ron and I never had a, a a crossword or or uh, a, a dispute between us. So, from that from that foundation, we had fifteen years of um, great success with many many successful projects, and really that's both given us a sort of financial capacity to move forward into to newer and to larger projects, but also a track record where we have great relationships with different stakeholders in the market with funding and finance opportunities. Um, you know, we're obviously recognised as a, as a participant in the market that can, can uh, make things happen and to deliver outcomes. So the legacy really is having a platform that lets us uh, build on the great 15 years we had uh, while Ron was with us and hopefully uh, deliver 15 more plus years of uh, great projects. Indeed. Now, what were some of his qualities as far as that you've taken with you with business, like his communication style, his you know, his strategy as far as risk? So Ron was always um, a very, uh, very positive person, but also a very determined um, character. He always had a very clear vision of the end, end point that he wanted to get to, and whether that be in terms of a project or the Grand Prix, he always had a plan for how he was going to get an outcome that suited the, uh, the objectives of the, of the mission. So um, I think we've taken those skills and those, that energy into our business practices. Uh, he was always very much about getting together with people face to face, making sure that if there's a problem that you listen to the, to the, what the cause, what the issues are, and that you work together with all the stakeholders to get outcomes. Um, he was also a very hard person to say no to. He was a very <laughs> determined uh, individual in terms of, um, you know, moving things forward. And so that drive and that energy, I quite often uh, think to myself, uh, you know, what would Ron do or what would Ron say in that circumstance? 
and that gives you a bit of a uh, motivation to get back up and, uh, and, and make something else happen. And not so much, and also in personality, but in stature as well. Yes, certainly, like larger than life. It was one of the um, unique things about working with Ron over those years is that anywhere you uh, went for a meeting or, or drove or walked down the street, someone would always say, G'day, Ron, and uh, they'd have a story to tell about you know something that Ron had done or something that they'd seen him do that they liked and they all wanted to have a chat. So from that point of view, he was um, certainly a great role model for how you can be a great contributor to Melbourne and, you know, a productive uh, citizen of a, a state like Victoria. And um, while he was the Lord Mayor for a number of years, Jeff Kennett summed him up in... Uh, yeah, I think Jeff had a saying that he was the greatest uh, Liberal Premier that the state never had. <laughs> he was certainly a huge advocate um, for the state of Victoria uh, and Melbourne, obviously, um, direct more directly. But, um, you know, I think over the the time there was some you know stories came about about charity work that he'd done in in some little country hospitals and uh and a couple of those sort of stories but he was certainly also someone that was well regarded on both sides of politics and in fact worked probably um almost more extensively with who you know the the side that would have been deemed to be his opposition so certainly a great um great character in terms of being able to to work towards a common goal. Now, Ron and you were entwined in business, so Evolve moving forward, how has that business relationship with Ron's passing, how's the company structure changed? So we've, um, you know, we obviously, when Ron was ill, we, we had a, a number of discussions and a bit of strategy work around what Evolve would look like going forward. Since Ron's passing, we've uh, we've obviously sat down with his surviving children and his wife uh, and we've sort of refocused their interests in terms of what what they what role they want to have in the business. Um, they're not as hands-on and, and directly involved as Ron was. And so what we've uh, what we've proposed and what we've sort of implemented over the last couple of months has really been a small restructure that sees the Walker family become a cornerstone investor in our projects, both current and, and going forward. And uh, the management business evolved development itself being a um, 100% controlled by myself. And now I'm the sole director of that business going forward. So that gives me a platform that lets me, uh, you know, bring bring growth into the management business, but also the walkers retain a significant interest in our projects going forward. And changes as well, a uh, new look, a slight rebrand. Uh, yes, re so we've been through a rebrand after being in St Kilda Road for uh, for over 15 years. We're moving office to a new location in South Melbourne, which is an old warehouse office that we're um, converting uh, and fixing up and really just giving us a, um, a platform to sort of build on the last 15 or 16 years and really look ahead to the next 15 or 16 and uh, and say, right, these are the things we know we've been good and successful at um, and they're the things we want to build on and be focused on that and delivering, you know, great outcomes through those projects. And looking at the future, would you say that the concept now is the industry as a whole, say, buying off the plan, uh, is it dead or is it does it still work in the right locations? I think the challenge is... 
the market's obviously been through a bit of a cyclic downturn. So activity, sales activities obviously uh, reduced. And the question is, what's the new normal when things resume? Um, I think buying off the plan will still be an important part of the development model that operates in Victoria. Um, but, you know, the loss of some of the incentives is obviously going to cost cost in terms of activity levels and the number of sales you can achieve. Um, but the, the fundamentals in Victoria are still very good. You know, population growth is high. Um, vacancy rates are sitting around 2%. The rental, actual dollar rental figures are still strong. And in a low interest rate environment, Australians love property investments and so it's just a matter of getting all those things working together and then uh, getting those buyers back to projects, good quality projects in good locations. Because you did find probably with the changes in the property cycle that Botanic was an example that took a little longer yeah, to sell I than think what most, it normally would have. Most developers that have been active over the last two or three years would say that the levels of sales they've done recently have been far lower than what have traditionally they would have expected and that's part of the cycle we've been in you know there's obviously been a lot of activity in the lead up for the to sort of 2015-2016 were very busy years and then uh, as per most cycles you know the talk starts to turn towards oversupply and and uh, you know where are all these people going to come from? And so the market turns down, and it's just a matter of finding the point now where it sort of flat flattens out, and then sort of getting ready for the next cycle. So, how much of an outcome do you think that the Royal Commission had on the current property cycle? I think uh, it had a massive impact on buyer confidence. I think uh, most purchasers that were looking at at buying property last year. A, were probably very nervous about if the market was on the way down, how far it would fall, but also their ability to actually borrow money, borrow funds to allow them to complete a purchase was severely impacted. And that was because the banks were responding to the pressures on them and the spotlight and they were sort of pulling back and tightening their controls. And that was all part of the sort of bigger uh, dialogue that they had going with APRA at the time. So I think those, to, the large, to a large extent, those factors have certainly um, bottomed out. I don't think buyer confidence has fully returned, but, you know, there's some emerging signs that it's, it's starting to come back a little bit. So with that, what are the biggest challenges facing the industry at the moment? Is it planning, building controls or project finance? Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, we're actively looking at opportunities, new opportunities, what sites we can buy with or without planning permits. I think one of the biggest challenges is the availability of potential development sites is being severely restricted with planning controls that limit and sort of restrict the amount of development that can happen on a given site. And so we're seeing less opportunity, which means that there's going to be less activity, less, less sites coming to market, less sites getting pre-sales. And so um, that's ultimately going to affect the volume of activity in the market. I think the challenge is twofold though. It's, it's, or, or it's even probably three factors. It's really, are there sufficient sites? 
Um, does the buyer confidence return? And then obviously, can you get the funding to move a project forward? I think if you get the first two right, our experience has been that the big banks, the big four are still strong supporters of good projects. So it's really a matter of getting the first two lined up and then hopefully getting the new project underway. So are there any areas of property development you'd consider moving into to achieve a better return? Look, I think traditionally the, the projects that we've focused on have always been um, really excellent returns, really strong outcomes. Um, you have to be selective in terms of which projects you take on and you have to understand the market that you're, you're playing in. Um, I think those returns will still be there in the future. It's just getting the timing right and getting the location right. And so that's where we, you know, we probably look at a hundred sites before we buy one and you've just got to have that discipline that you, you can't do everything. You've got to let stuff, sometimes you just got to let stuff go that you're not going to be able to create the right outcome on, but you've got to be able to, you know, when the right one comes along, you've got to be able to move on it quickly and, and get it going. So you've been able to read the market though very well during the 16 years of Evolve and it would have come across sometimes, you know, you really don't want to let that project go, but it's right at the time. You know, how do you sort of stop that emotional to the, what stacks up economically? Is it easy or? Oh, it's it's just part of the, the skill set, I guess, you learn. It's obviously a little bit restricted by your own balance sheet. You know, we obviously need or like to manage our own balance sheet in a way that gives us certainty over being able to deliver the outcomes down the track. So you can't, you know, you can't let yourself get over emotional about a purchase if A, it's not in the right location or B, your balance sheet timing doesn't suit that opportunity. So it's a combination of those things. There's a few sites around town where I sort of think oh, I should have, you know, gone a little bit harder and, and tried to lock that one down. But on the whole, I think, you know, I'd rather be known for the successes than having any failures. The conservative approach. Yeah. yeah which is um, good. Now, are we seeing the end or the bottom of the so-called property fall? Uh, is there a trend upwards? Oh, look, I think indicators uh, in the last sort of three to four months, certainly since the federal election um, outcome have been that confidence has is slowly re-emerging. APRA's changed a few of the finance sort of issues that the banks were dealing with. Uh, so there's certainly some signs that it's on the up. Um, obviously, you know, global economic news is still a little bit gloomy. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that we're on a path to a full recovery just yet, but I think we're sort of certainly bouncing along the bottom. So what would be your thoughts when you're talking about that holistic view, the RBA's rapid trajectory? trajectory towards the um, quantitative easing, the printing of money, the negative interest rates, and what impact will this have on the property market? Uh, look, I think in terms of buyer sentiment, we're probably at a point where interest rates are less effective in terms of turning the sentiment. Um, I think there's a risk that if interest rates get too low or stay low for too long, that uh, that that actually reinflates the established property market, property bubble, if you like. So I think there's some risk around that. I think the the biggest piece that's missing that I can see is confidence, and and people right at the moment are a bit nervous 
um, for all sorts of reasons, you know, for, for, for what they've been told over the last 12 months or longer. And so it takes, you know, it's very easy to lose confidence, but it takes a long time to build it back up. And so I think what the, um, the market needs is just a period of sort of consolidation and stabilization. And, um, you know, the, the natural forces that are at play in market with population growth and changing demographics and aging populations and the like, all those forces will come into play and people will come back to the market when they're confident that it's the right time. Because when you talk about confidence, there are, there's commentary that we're heading towards our first recession in 28 years. So when you look at that, uh, adult children that are 30, they haven't lived through a recession. Um, so what does sort of this have on confidence, the effect? Yeah, I guess that's the, um, you know, that's always around the corner, you know, that the longer you go without a, a slowdown or a recession, um, I guess at some point, you, the closer you are to having one. So, you know, it's going to be a factor that um, that does dwell on people's mind. I think the level of investment by the state government in infrastructure projects and some of the federal funding that's flowing through to those projects certainly helps um, in terms of employment and and that turns into confidence in, in different ways. Uh, you know, but I think you have to accept that if we've had a very strong period for a long time, perhaps a bit of a slowdown, a bit of a levelling out is part of that cycle and we have to just accept that maybe things will be flat for six or 12 months and hopefully that then lets everyone recharge and, and get ready for the next sort of up, uptick. Now, Ash, um, away from the office, you're a keen cyclist. What else gets you up of a day? Uh, yeah, keen cyclist. I've got three children. Uh, the oldest of which is in year 12 this year. So um, we're dealing with all the pressures of VCE. Uh, keen snow skier as well. So we try to get up to the snow as much as we can during the winter. Um, but generally, you know, a bit of a homebody and uh, happy to only get on a plane if I'm going on holidays. So I like Melbourne, like hanging out in Melbourne, but, um, you know, like the travel opportunities when they come up for holiday as well. Now, I must ask, so the year 12, what does he want to do? Yeah, uh, well, all my kids think that dad doesn't work that hard. <laughs> so they think property development sort of seems to be uh, a pretty good opportunity. Um, I think uh, both myself and my wife actually studied engineering a long time ago. So numerical levels in our family are quite good. And so... Uh, I think they'll just pursue some study in, in those areas and, and then see what happens after uh, after university. And the lights will still be on at Evolve if they want to come in. That's right. I, I mean, so far I've told them that uh, they've got to be their own people and uh, they don't need to uh, – don't need to, don't want them to come and work for me at any point uh, too soon. Um, want them to go out and work out what, you know, what they're interested in and what their motivations are. Thanks very much, Ash. No problem. Thanks, Suze.